Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. In a July 2017 television interview, Trump Jr. stated that while he had no way to gauge the reliability, credibility, or accuracy of what Goldstone had stated was the purpose of the meeting, if someone has information on our opponent, maybe this is something I should hear them out. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have won still burns as bright tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth but from the enduring power of our ideals democracy liberty opportunity and unyielding hope let me tell you something you already know the world ain't all sunshine and rainbow it's a very mean and nasty place and i don't care how tough you are it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently for you Nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Ask not what your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your five poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you be. They keep moving forward. How much you can take, they keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome to Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. He wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher Smart Radio, Potable, and more. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Public Access Public America. Access. History in the making. Making history in the making. In the making.
Trump Jr. Fu Wan there stated in September 2017 congressional testimony that he thought he should listen to what Rob and his colleagues had to say. Depending on what, if any, information was provided, Trump Jr. stated he could then consult with counsel to make an informed decision as to whether to give it any further consideration. After the June 9 meeting According to Goldstone, he told Trump Jr. and told Emin Alarov. Aras Agalarov asked Kavaladze to report in after the meeting, but before Kavaladze could call, Aras Agalarov called him. With Veselnitskaya next to him, Kavaladze reported that the meeting had gone well, but he later told Aras Agalarov that the meeting about the Magnitsky Act had been a waste of time because it was not with lawyers and they were preaching to the wrong crowd. Post-June 9th events Veselnitskaya and Aras Agalarov made at least two unsuccessful attempts after the election to meet with Trump representatives to convey similar information about Browder and the Magnitsky Act. On November 23, 2016, Kavaladze emailed Goldstone about setting up another meeting with T People and sent a document bearing allegations similar to those conveyed on June 9. Degree Kavaladze followed up with Goldstone, stating that Mr. A, which Goldstone understood to mean Aras Agalarov, called to ask about the meeting. Goldstone emailed the document to Rona Graf, saying that Aras Agalarov has asked me to pass on this document in the hope it can be passed into the appropriate team. If needed, a lawyer representing the case is in New York currently and happy to meet with any member of his transition team. According to Goldstone, around January 2017, Kavaladze contacted him again to set up another meeting, but Goldstone did not make the request. The investigation did not identify evidence of the transition team following up. On approximately June 2, 2017, Goldstone spoke with Alan Garden, general counsel of the Trump Organization, about his participation in the June 9 meeting. The same day, Goldstone emailed Veselnitskaya's name to Garden, identifying her as the woman who was the attorney who spoke at the meeting from Moscow. Later in June 2017, Goldstone participated in a lengthier call with Garten and Alan Futerfas, outside counsel for the Trump Organization and, subsequently, personal counsel for Trump Jr. On June 27, 2017, Goldstone emailed Emin Agalarov with the subject Trump attorneys and stated that he was interviewed by attorneys about the June 9 meeting who were concerned because it links Don Jr. to officials from Russia which he has always denied meeting. Goldstone stressed that he did say at the time this was an awful idea and a terrible meeting. Emin Agalarov sent a screenshot of the message to Kavaladze. The June 9 meeting became public in July 2017. In a July 9, 2017 text message to Emin Agalarov, Goldstone wrote I made sure I kept you and your father out of this story, and if contacted I can do a dance and keep you out of it. Goldstone added, FBI now investigating, and I hope this favor was worth for your dad it could blow up. On July 12, 2017 Emin Agalarov complained to Kavaladze that his father, Aras, never listens to him and that their relationship with Mr. T has been thrown down the drain. The next month, Goldstone commented to Emin Agalarov about the volume of publicity the June 9 meeting had generated, stating that his reputation was basically destroyed by this dumb meeting which your father insisted on even though Ike and me told him would be bad news and not to do. Goldstone added, I am not able to respond out of courtesy to you and your father. So am painted as some mysterious link to Putin. After public reporting on the June 9 meeting began, representatives from the Trump Organization again reached out to participants. 
On July 10, 2017, Futurefus sent Goldstone an email with a proposed statement for Goldstone to issue, which read, As the person who arranged the meeting, I can definitively state that the statements I have read by Donald Trump Jr. are 100% accurate. The meeting was a complete waste of time and Don was never told Ms. Veselnitskaya's name prior to the meeting. Ms. Veselnitskaya mostly talked about the Magnitsky Act and Russian adoption laws and the meeting lasted 20 to 30 minutes at most. There was never any follow-up and nothing ever came of the meeting. The statement drafted by Trump Organization representatives was he proposed a different statement, asserting that he had been asked by his client in Moscow, Emin Agalarov, to facilitate a meeting between a Russian attorney Natalia Veselnitskaya Sik and Donald Trump Jr. The lawyer had apparently stated that she had some information regarding funding to the DNC from Russia, which she believed Mr. Trump Jr. might find interesting. Goldstone never released either statement. On the Russian end, there were also communications about what participants should say about the June 9th meeting. Specifically, the organization that hired Samakornov, an anti-Magnitsky act group controlled by Veselnitskaya and the owner of Prevezin offered to pay $90,000 of Samakornov's legal fees. At Veselnitskaya's request, the organization sent Samakornov a transcript of a Veselnitskaya press interview, and Samakornov understood that the organization would pay his legal fees only if he made statements consistent with Veselnitskaya's. Samakornov declined, telling the office that he did not want to perjure himself. The individual who conveyed Veselnitskaya's request to Samakornov stated that he did not expressly condition payment on following Veselnitskaya's answers but, in hindsight, recognized that by sending the transcript, Samakornov could have interpreted the offer of assistance to be conditioned on his not contradicting Veselnitskaya's account. Volume 2, Section 11 G. Infra, discusses interactions between President Trump, Trump Jr., and others in June and July 2017 regarding the June 9th meeting. Events at the Republican National Convention. Trump campaign officials met with Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislak during the week of the Republican National Convention. The evidence indicates that those interactions were brief and non-substantive. During platform committee meetings immediately before the convention, J.D. Gordon, a senior campaign advisor on policy and national security, diluted a proposed amendment to the Republican Party platform expressing support for providing lethal assistance to Ukraine in response to Russian aggression. Gordon requested that platform committee personnel revise the proposed amendment to state that only appropriate assistance be provided to Ukraine. The original sponsor of the Lethal Assistance Amendment stated that Gordon told her the sponsor that he was on the phone with candidate Trump in connection with his request to dilute the language. Gordon denied making that statement to the sponsor, although he acknowledged it was possible he mentioned having previously spoken to the candidate about the subject matter. The investigation did not establish that Gordon spoke to or was directed by the candidate to make that proposal. Gordon said that he sought the change because he believed the proposed language was inconsistent with Trump's position on Ukraine. Ambassador Kislak's encounters with Senator Sessions and J.D. Gordon the week of the RNC. This free audio is provided by MullerReportAudioBook.com. In July 2016, Senator Sessions and Gordon spoke at the Global Partners in Diplomacy event, a conference co-sponsored by the State Department and the Heritage Foundation held in Cleveland, Ohio the same week as the Republican National Convention RNC or Convention. Approximately 80 foreign ambassadors to the United States, including Kislak, were invited to the conference. 
On July 20, 2016, Gordon and Sessions delivered their speeches at the conference. In his speech, Gordon stated in pertinent part that the United States should have better relations with Russia. During Sessions's speech, he took questions from the audience, one of which may have been asked by Kislak. When the speeches concluded, several ambassadors lined up to greet the speakers. Gordon shook hands with Kislak and reiterated that he had meant what he said in the speech about improving U.S.-Russia relations. Sessions separately spoke with between six and twelve ambassadors, including Kislak. Although Sessions stated during interviews with the office that he had no specific recollection of what he discussed with Kislak, he believed that the two spoke for only a few minutes and that they would have exchanged pleasantries and said some things about U.S.-Russia relations. Later that evening, Gordon attended a reception as part of the conference. Gordon ran into Kislak as the two prepared plates of food, and they decided to sit at the same table to eat. They were joined at that table by the ambassadors from Azerbaijan and Kazakhstan, and by Trump campaign advisor Carter Page. As they ate, Gordon and Kislak talked for what Gordon estimated to have been three to five minutes, during which Gordon again mentioned that he meant what he said in his speech about improving U.S.-Russia relations. Change to Republican Party Platform in preparation for the 2016 convention, foreign policy advisors to the Trump campaign, working with the Republican National Committee, reviewed the 2012 convention's foreign policy platform to identify divergence between the earlier platform and candidate Trump's positions. The campaign team discussed toning down language from the 2012 platform that identified Russia as the country's number one threat, given the candidate's belief that there needed to be better U.S. relations with Russia. The RNC Platform Committee sent the 2016 draft platform to the National Security and Defense Platform Subcommittee on July 10, 2016, the evening before its first meeting to propose amendments. Although only delegates could participate in formal discussions and vote on the platform, the Trump campaign could request changes, and members of the Trump campaign attended committee meetings. John Mashburn, the campaign's policy director, helped oversee the campaign's involvement in the platform committee meetings. He told the office that he directed campaign staff at the convention, including J.D. Gordon, to take a hands-off approach and only to challenge platform planks if they directly contradicted Trump's wishes. On July 11, 2016, Delegate Diana Denman submitted a proposed platform amendment that included provision of armed support for Ukraine. The amendment described Russia's ongoing military aggression in Ukraine and announced SUP-01T for maintaining and, if warranted, increasing sanctions against Russia until Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity are fully restored and for providing lethal defensive weapons to Ukraine's armed forces and greater coordination with NATO on defense planning. Gordon reviewed the proposed platform changes, including Denman's. Gordon stated that he flagged this amendment because of Trump's stated position on Ukraine, which Gordon personally heard the candidate say at the March 31 foreign policy meeting namely, that the Europeans should take primary responsibility for any assistance to Ukraine, that there should be improved U.S.-Russia relations, and that he did not want to start World War III over that region. Gordon told the office that Trump's statements on the campaign trail following the March meeting underscored those positions to the point where Gordon felt obliged to object to the proposed platform change and seek its dilution. On July 11, 2016, at a meeting of the National Security and Defense Platform Subcommittee, Denman offered her amendment. 
Gordon and another campaign staffer, Matt Miller, approached a committee co-chair and asked him to table the amendment to permit further discussion. Gordon's concern with the amendment was the language about providing lethal defensive weapons to Ukraine. Miller did not have any independent basis to believe that this language contradicted Trump's views and relied on Gordon's recollection of the candidate's views. According to Denman, she spoke with Gordon and Matt Miller, and they told her that they had to clear the language and that Gordon was talking to New York. Denman told others that she was asked by the two Trump campaign staffers to strike lethal defense weapons from the proposal but that she refused. Demden recalled Gordon saying that he was on the phone with candidate Trump, but she was skeptical whether that was true. Gordon denied having told Denman that he was on the phone with Trump, although he acknowledged it was possible that he mentioned having previously spoken to the candidate about the subject matter. Gordon's phone records reveal a call to Sessions's office in Washington that afternoon, but do not include calls directly to a number associated with Trump. And according to the president's written answers to the office's questions, he does not recall being involved in the change in language of the platform amendment. Gordon stated that he tried to reach Rick Dearborn, a senior foreign policy advisor, and Mashburn, the campaign policy director. Gordon stated that he connected with both of them he could not recall if by phone or in person and apprised them of the language he took issue with in the proposed amendment. Gordon recalled no objection by either Dearborn or Mashburn and that all three campaign advisors supported the alternative formulation appropriate assistance. Dearborn recalled Gordon warning them about the amendment, but not weighing in because Gordon was more familiar with the campaign's foreign policy stance. Mashburn stated that Gordon reached him, and he told Gordon that Trump had not taken a stance on the issue and that the campaign should not intervene. When the amendment came up again in the committee's proceedings, the subcommittee changed the amendment by striking the lethal defense weapons language and replacing it with appropriate assistance. Gordon stated that he and the subcommittee co-chair ultimately agreed to replace the language about armed assistance with appropriate assistance. The subcommittee accordingly approved Denman's amendment but with the term appropriate assistance. Gordon stated that, to his recollection, this was the only change sought by the campaign. Sam Clovis, the campaign's national co-chair and chief policy advisor, stated he was surprised by the change and did not believe it was in line with Trump's stance. Mashburn stated that when he saw the word appropriate assistance, he believed that Gordon had violated Mashburn's directive not to intervene. Post-convention contacts with Kislak Ambassador Kislak continued his efforts to interact with campaign officials with responsibility for the foreign policy portfolio among them Sessions and Gordon in the weeks after the convention. The office did not identify evidence in those interactions of coordination between the campaign and the Russian government. Ambassador Kislak invites J.D. Gordon to breakfast at the ambassador's residence. On August 3, 2016, an official from the Embassy of the Russian Federation in the United States wrote to Gordon on behalf of Ambassador Kislak inviting Gordon to have breakfast, tea with the ambassador at his residence in Washington, D.C. the following week. Gordon responded five days later to decline the invitation. He wrote, these days are not optimal for us, as we are busily knocking down a constant stream of false media stories while also preparing for the first debate with HRC. Hope to take a rain check for another time when things quiet down a bit. Please pass along my regards to the ambassador. The investigation did not identify evidence that Gordon made any other arrangements to meet or met with Kislak after this email. 
Senator Sessions' September 2016 meeting with Ambassador Kislak. Also in August 2016, a representative of the Russian embassy contacted Sessions' Senate office about setting up a meeting with Kislak. At the time, Sessions was a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and would meet with foreign officials in that capacity. But Sessions's staff reported, and Sessions himself acknowledged, that meeting requests from ambassadors increased substantially in 2016, as Sessions assumed a prominent role in the Trump campaign and his name was mentioned for potential cabinet-level positions in a future Trump administration. On September 8, 2016, Sessions met with Kislak in his Senate office. Sessions said that he believed he was doing the campaign a service by meeting with foreign ambassadors, including Kislak. He was accompanied in the meeting by at least two of his Senate staff, Sandra Luff, his legislative director, and Pete Landrum, who handled military affairs. The meeting lasted less than 30 minutes. Sessions voiced concerns about Russia's sale of a missile defense system to Iran, Russian planes buzzing U.S. military assets in the Middle East, and Russian aggression in emerging democracies such as Ukraine and Moldova. Kislak offered explanations on these issues and complained about NATO land forces in former Soviet bloc countries that border Russia. Landrum recalled that Kislak referred to the presidential campaign as an interesting campaign, and Sessions also recalled Kislak saying that the Russian government was receptive to the overtures Trump had laid out during his campaign. This free audio is provided by MullerReportAudioBook.com. None of the attendees, though, remembered any discussion of Russian election interference or any request that Sessions convey information from the Russian government to the Trump campaign. During the meeting, Kislak invited Sessions to further discuss U.S.-Russia relations with him over a meal at the ambassador's residence. Sessions was non-committal when Kislak extended the invitation. After the meeting ended, Luff advised Sessions against accepting the one-on-one -on -one meeting with Kislak, whom she assessed to be an old-school KGB guy. Neither Luff nor Landrum recalled that Sessions followed up on the invitation or made any further effort to dine or meet with Kislak before the November 2016 election. Sessions and Landrum recalled that, after the election, some efforts were made to arrange a meeting between Sessions and Kislak. According to Sessions, the request came through CNI and would have involved a meeting between Sessions and Kislak, two other ambassadors, and the governor of Alabama. Sessions, however, was in New York on the day of the anticipated meeting and was unable to attend. The investigation did not identify evidence that the two men met at any point after their September 8 meeting. 6. Paul Manafort Paul Manafort served on the Trump campaign, including a period as campaign chairman, from March to August 2016. Manafort had connections to Russia through his prior work for Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska and later through his work for a pro-Russian regime in Ukraine. Manafort stayed in touch with these contacts during the campaign period through Konstantin Kilimnik, a longtime Manafort employee who previously ran Manafort's office in Kiev and who the FBI assesses to have ties to Russian intelligence. Manafort instructed Rick Gates, his deputy on the campaign and a longtime employee, to provide Kilimnik with updates on the Trump campaign including internal polling data, although Manafort claims not to recall that specific instruction. Manafort expected Kilimnik to share that information with others in Ukraine and with Deripaska. Gates periodically sent such polling data to Kilimnik during the campaign. Manafort also twice met Kilimnik in the United States during the campaign period and conveyed campaign information. 
The second meeting took place on August 2, 2016, in New York City. Kilimnik requested the meeting to deliver in person a message from former Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych, who was then living in Russia. The message was about a peace plan for Ukraine that Manafort has since acknowledged was a backdoor means for Russia to control eastern Ukraine. Several months later, after the presidential election, Kilimnik wrote an email to Manafort expressing the view which Manafort later said he shared that the plan's success would require U.S. support to succeed. All that is required to start the process is a very minor wink or slight push from Donald Trump. The email also stated that if Manafort were designated as the U.S. representative and started the process, Yanukovych would ensure his reception in Russia at the very top level. Manafort communicated with Kilimnik about peace plans for Ukraine on at least four occasions after their first discussion of the topic on August 2, December 2016 The Kilimnik email described above, January 2017, February 2017, and again in the spring of 2018. The office reviewed numerous Manafort email and text communications, and asked President Trump about the plan in written questions. The investigation did not uncover evidence of Manafort's passing along information about Ukrainian peace plans to the candidate or anyone else in the campaign or the administration. The office was not, however, able to gain access to all of Manafort's electronic communications in some instances, messages were sent using encryption applications. And while Manafort denied that he spoke to members of the Trump campaign or the new administration about the peace plan, he lied to the office and the grand jury about the peace plan and his meetings with Kilimnik, and his unreliability on this subject was among the reasons that the district judge found that he breached his cooperation agreement. The office could not reliably determine Manafort's or O's in Sharon with Kilimnik during the campaign period. Manafort did not see a downside to sharing campaign information, and told Gates that his role in the campaign would be good for business and potentially a way to be made whole for work he previously completed in the Ukraine. As to Deripaska, Manafort claimed that by sharing campaign information with him, Deripaska might see value in their relationship and resolve a disagreement a reference to one or more outstanding lawsuits. Because of questions about Manafort's credibility and our limited ability to gather evidence on what happened to the polling data after it was sent to Kilimnik, the office could not assess what Kilimnik or others he may have given it to did with it. The office did not identify evidence of a connection between Manafort's sharing polling data and Russia's interference in the election, which had already been reported by U.S. media outlets at the time of the August 2 meeting. The investigation did not establish that Manafort otherwise coordinated with the Russian government on its election interference efforts. A. Paul Manafort's ties to Russia and Ukraine. Manafort's Russian contacts during the campaign and transition period stem from his consulting work for Deripaska from approximately 2005 to 2009 and his separate political consulting work in Ukraine from 2005 to 2015, including through his company DL-1P International LLC DMI. Kilimnik worked for Manafort in Kiev during this entire period and continued to communicate with Manafort through at least June 2018. Kilimnik, who speaks and writes Ukrainian and Russian, facilitated many of Manafort's communications with Deripaska and Ukrainian oligarchs. Oleg Deripaska Consulting Work In approximately 2005, Manafort began working for Deripaska, a Russian oligarch who has a global empire involving aluminum and power companies and who is closely aligned with Vladimir Putin. 
a memorandum describing work that Manafort performed for Deripaska in 2005 regarding the post-Soviet republics referenced the need to brief the Kremlin and the benefits that the work could confer on the Putin government. Gates described the work Manafort did for Deripaska as political risk insurance, and explained that Deripaska used Manafort to install friendly political officials in countries where Deripaska had business interests. Manafort's company earned tens of millions of dollars from its work for Deripaska and was loaned millions of dollars by Deripaska as well. In 2007, Deripaska invested through another entity in Pericles Emerging Market Partners LP Pericles, an investment fund created by Manafort and former Manafort business partner Richard Davis. The Pericles Fund was established to pursue investments in Eastern Europe. Deripaska was the sole investor. Gates stated in interviews with the office that the venture led to a deterioration of the relationship between Manafort and Deripaska. In PA 1 Ticular, when the fund failed, litigation between Manafort and Deripaska ensued. Gates stated that, by 2009, Manafort's business relationship with Deripaska had dried up. According to Gates, various interactions with Deripaska and his intermediaries over the past few years have involved trying to resolve the legal dispute. As described below, in 2016, Manafort, Gates, Kilimnik, and others engaged in efforts to revive the Deripaska relationship and resolve the litigation. Political consulting work. Through Deripaska, Manafort was introduced to Renat Akhmedov, a Ukrainian oligarch who hired Manafort as a political consultant. In 2005, Akhmedov hired Manayort to engage in political work supporting the Party of Regions, a political party in Ukraine that was generally understood to align with Russia. Manafort assisted the Party of Regions in regaining power, and its candidate, Viktor Yanukovych, won the presidency in 2010. Manafort became a close and trusted political advisor to Yanukovych during his time as president of Ukraine. Yanukovych served in that role until 2014, when he fled to Russia amidst popular protests. Konstantin Kilimnik Kilimnik is a Russian national who has lived in both Russia and Ukraine and was a longtime Manafort employee. Kilimnik had direct and close access to Yanukovych and his senior entourage, and he facilitated communications between Manafort and his clients, including Yanukovych and multiple Ukrainian oligarchs. Kilimnik also maintained a relationship with Deripaska's deputy, Viktor Boyarkin, a Russian national who previously served in the defense attaché office of the Russian embassy to the United States. Manafort told the office that he did not believe Kilimnik was working as a Russian spy. The FBI, however, assesses that Kilimnik has ties to Russian intelligence. Several pieces of the office's evidence including witness interviews and emails obtained through court-authorized search warrants support that assessment. Welcome to the underworld. I love America. It's been my home all my life. Ladies and gentlemen. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically, opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. In America, don't you ever track your every move? They're even putting poison in your food. In America, the people occupy to see the truth. But it's too late, and there's nothing we can do. In America, just watch your favorite show and watch the news. So they can take over you with your food. In America, oh, take a 
I love America. It's been my home all my life. If you don't know the past, you're only doomed to repeat it. Welcome to Public Access America. This is your history. This is your country. This is America. Join us in listening to some of history's America's best speeches. Created by Jarcodes Productions. Go back in time with us right now on Public Access America.